Welcome to Simply Trade, brought to you by Global Training Center. My name is Lalo, and together with my co-host, Andy Shiles, we have well over 60 years of combined trade, logistics, and supply chain experience. Along the way, we have seen and experienced different challenges in trade compliance. We decided to put the show together and call on our friends and colleagues in the business to discuss these topics and just hang out with us to shoot the ship on all things trade. Thank you for spending some time with us. Enjoy the show. All right. Well, so. we're back. Day one here, towards the end of uh, ICPA, Andy. Can you yes. hear us? Yes. Yeah. It, how's that? Is my uh, close Yeah, I, I can hear everybody. So. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, <coughs> even when I whisper, it's like, shh, be quiet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, actually, this has been a good conference so far. Um, there's been a lot of good interaction. There's a lot of uh, first-time attendees uh, that I've uh, been able to talk to and uh, some good sessions here and all that. So, uh Bernie, uh, you're with Flexboard, huh? I so, am. Bernie yes. Hart. Yes. Okay, so we're <laughs> we're sitting here. Bernie Hart's come over to talk with Lalo and me, and uh, and uh, give us a little run rundown. So now y'all have a booth over there. I see. We do. Right? We okay. Do. Yes. So first off, yeah, is this your first uh, ICPA conference, or you've been to several? Yeah, several. Several. Okay. <laughs> Decades. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> and uh, yeah. what do you think, though? It's like this is post-pandemic. This is the fall conference of ICPA, and traditionally, before the pandemic, yep. the fall conference uh, here in the Dallas area has been uh, running about 300 people. Yep. And uh, guess what? There are just under 300 people here today, and there's another almost 100 people online. Yep. And so uh, it, it, this is one of those things where, I mean, hey, it, it, it's almost like it's good to be back, isn't mm-hmm. it? Yep, we're almost back. So, <laughs> I'm right so are you seeing some good activity in here? Yes, yeah, definitely. A lot of good um, foot traffic in front, yeah. in front of the booth, a lot of good conversations. You notice even when you look at the agenda, there's a lot of really relevant topics like right. forced labor, right. sanctions, you know, what's going on with Russia. There's a lot of good discussions. So. Man, I tell you what, talking about Russia and that situation in Ukraine, you know, there's companies that are wanting to do business with Ukrainian customers, but the problem is their economy is just devastated. Their their financial system is devastated. So, I mean, you know, people are not in business for charity. It's a case where you got to do something there. And on the same token, you know, uh, if you're doing business in and around Russia, it's going to be even more difficult than it was to do business with them. So that's that's a tough one. Yeah, it really is. So. It really is. Like everything in trade, it can change minute to minute. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you just need to stay on top of it. You need to make sure you've got your processes and procedures in place, but uh, always following the law, always to be compliant. But um, where there's a will, there's a way. Trade always seems to be able to happen. So, you know, let's put our best foot forward. And, you know, make the best of yeah, it. Yeah, and so. make the right decision. So let me ask you a question, Bernie. What, yeah. um, as far as with, Flexport, what is it that y'all are doing here and your main focus of what you're striving for as far as at, at this conference? Sure, sure. So we take what I would call a unique view on international trade. Uh, mm-hmm. When I think of international trade, when we think of international trade, there's really three supply chains that execute at the same time. There's the physical supply chain, mm-hmm. there's the compliance supply chain, and then there's the financial supply chain. Okay. Minimizing duties, taxes, and fees. Right. So what we're about is building the platform that will handle all three supply chains simultaneously, okay. regardless of who the importer or exporter is. Mm-hmm. The importer is a buyer in every transaction, the exporter is a seller in every transaction. Sometimes they're a 
related party, sometimes not. Mm -hmm. But they're all looking for the same data and information, and they're looking for that data and information at the part and SKU level. Mm -hmm. So what we're doing is we're capturing all of that data on one platform and then making it available to all the supply chain partners um, that a client happens to have. So uh, to me, it's a very unique approach to right. a value proposition that is different than what you traditionally see in the marketplace today. So you're, you're in building that data, you're sharing, I guess, your client's information with their respective vendors. For what purpose are you having them then take that information and put it on the paperwork so that at the origin it has all the detailed information ahead of time? Yeah, so it's a little bit of, it, it can be modified based on what the client is looking for. But in our view, it's not so much about what Flexboard has to offer or any of that. It's what is the value proposition that is unique for that specific client. So what we are basically doing is the client authorizes who of their supply chain partners can have access to the platform. We allow everybody to have access to the platform. So between an export and an import, there's traditionally 16 handoffs in any supply chain, and they're all looking for the same types of data and information. What is it? What's its value? Where did it come from? Country of origin? Things along those lines. So what we're doing is we take in a product library that right. is unique to that client. We then load in all of the attributes at a part and SKU level. Okay. okay. That's kind of point one. So, so <coughs> let's make, make sure, because I'm yep. dumb as a box of rocks here, okay? I, I got to take, take this through and make sure. I'm sure you're not. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, all right, so when you're talking, it's like, all right, if I give you a file, let's say in that file I have a part number, and it's a widget that's uh, a blue widget, whatever, yep. and uh, I'm sourcing it from, let's just say, Vietnam. Yep. I may or may not have the classification, and chances are I do, but let's mm -hmm. just say I've got the classification with that. Yep. All right, and then more specifically, the U.S. classification. Yep, yep. Okay, so then I give that to you. Are you adding more, when you say adding attributes, are you adding like PGA data, like a, a other governmental agency type information to it, or... Yep. Something else? Yep, so it depends on what the client wants us to do, and okay. there's a couple of ways to go about this. So right. any attribute at a part or SKU level by country, right. we will store in our database. Okay. We want all of that data and right. information. Now, your HTS code determines duty rate, but it also determines admissibility into a country and right. out of a country. Right. We attach all of those data elements at a part level if the client says, Flexport, we want you to do this. All right, so okay. Flexport, I'm one of one. I, listen, I want the whole ball of wax. So as we're <laughs> going to go down this road, the other question would be is like, okay, I can give you the U.S. Uh, harmonized tariff mm -hmm. number, but I take this product now and I'm exporting it and I want to send it to, let's say, France and uh, Argentina and, let's say, Singapore. Would you be able then to add the appropriate classifications of those countries for that, or how would that happen? Yep. yep. So what we like to do is work with clients and understand what their NPI, their new product introduction process okay. is. Right. And that's if a, if a SKU or part number has changed or it's a brand new one. Mm -hmm. And then if it's a brand new part number, let's say it's my glasses, if the marketing plan says we're going to sell this in 13 countries, Tell me what those 13 countries are. Give me mm -hmm. form, fit, and function. I'll right. go get my own pictures. I'll go grab information off of websites, publicly available information. I'll attach all of that, and then I'll classify against all 13 of those countries by way of example. 
and then right. load that into our database. Now you're enabled for international trade. Okay, so with that, let's take it to the, because most compliance people would go, oh man, that'd be fantastic, you got all this information. From a purchasing or sourcing perspective, from a transportation or logistics perspective, so what? What's it get me? Yep. If I'm a officer of a company that has overall compliance or something, or even just the logistics umbrella, so what? What's the big deal? Yep. Tell me, why would it benefit a company to do, go so far with, uh, with what you're talking about? Yep. So there's the um, physical supply chain. We're going to stay away from that. This will help you on the two other areas. This is going to be compliance and then the financial side of it. So what you really want is every business, whoever the importer, exporter of record is, has to demonstrate reasonable care. Right. One of the great ways you demonstrate reasonable care is by having a product library that has your data in it as a source of truth. Because at time of import, I'll just stay with that, you have to have the most timely and accurate information at time of import. The product library becomes what we refer to as a source of truth. If it makes sense for that client, I've got some clients that it doesn't make sense for them, but the ones that do, we mm -hmm. do. So you load all of this information in in advance. So now it's sitting in the product library. Now I'll just stay with an ocean shipment. You've got okay. an ocean shipment that's coming from Taiwan into the United States. Now, what you're gonna get off of this is the ISF, hopefully it gets filed 72 hours in advance before you pack it out. Right. Then you get the packing list, three to five days on the water, you're gonna get the commercial invoice. We ingest all of that data into our platform. I don't care how it exists today. It can be a PDF, it can be an email. Right. We scan it all and pull it into the platform. Okay. When we scan it and pull it into the platform, we compare what's on the commercial invoice by way of example to what's in the product library. Right. So if product number one is coming in from your vendor in Taiwan and it's got a different classification than what is in your product library, what does your SOP, what are your business rules tell me to do? Do you want me to override what's in the product library? Do you want me to kick off an exception to you? Do you want me to kick off an exception to one of my brokers and have them address the issue or concern? Mm -hmm. What that does is identifies the exception much earlier in earlier the process. Earlier in the process so that exactly. somebody, it could be dealt with and you minimize your delays, obviously. Correct. Correct. Right. And the other thing I really love about the product library concept is every government around the world has you talk to them at the HTS level. And the HTS level is a compilation of a bunch of part numbers, right. like my shirt here. Yeah, it's a smart number. It's, exactly. It's, it's not right. just a, a random. It's yep. a smart, you know, first two digits mean one thing, next two digits, and then you go on from there for those that may not. Most of us are probably listening going, okay, yeah, we get that, Andy. Okay, you know, like, yeah, draw me a picture. I got it. Yep, yep. Let's take this shirt that I'm wearing now. I mean, this shirt is going to have a classification, but this shirt is going to come in multiple colors, multiple sizes, short sleeve, long sleeve. Each, But as long as the form, fit, and function hasn't changed, the HTS doesn't change. Right. What businesses want is they want access to information at the part and SKU level from a visibility perspective and from a reporting and metrics perspective we can capture it all at the part and SKU level. So you will actually be able to see that this checkered shirt in a large, you've got 3,000 on ordered, 2,000 are okay. on the water, 1,000 are still on mm -hmm. purchase orders that haven't been fulfilled. You see all of that from a visibility perspective on the platform. Right. Excellent. Well, and here's, here's something else that's another attribute that we didn't even talk about. We talked a little bit about uh, other government agencies or participating government agencies, but in your fabric idea there is like, you know, certain things like, for example, let's say the buttons are, 
are made out of tortoiseshell uh, or mother of pearl. Yep. Well, both of those items potentially have fish and wildlife. <coughs> right? Yep. So, you know, there's another scenario that somebody may not be considering. It's like, yeah, it's just a men's shirt, you know. Yep. Uh, yeah. There's other attributes. Yep. Okay, so if we're doing that, here's another question for you. You take in all this information. Does your system have the ability to generate the commercial invoice information and transmit electronically to the importing broker? If Flexport is actually moving the freight. Um, oh, well, there's another thing. There. Okay, yes. Yeah. If Flexport yeah. is moving the freight, then we'll have access to data and information. It's usually our client supply chain partners. Right. So we set Flexport up as the remit to partner, or we tell their supply chain partners to send this data and information to us, right. and then we take it into the overall platform. Right. So um, what we're moving towards from a platform perspective is to allow this platform for everybody to use it. So if you're shipping, if Flexport is your freight forwarder, awesome. Flexport is not your freight forwarder, awesome as well. Mm -hmm. You can still use the overall platform because it's all about the data flow um, as we've defined it. Hence the flexibility <coughs> of Flexport. Flexport there you yeah. go. <laughs> <laughs> Ta ding, okay, gotcha. Yep. Okay, so with that, here's something else I want to throw at you. Sure. Is uh, if you're being a service provider in that realm and all that, let's just say that you, get, you do get something from a vendor for one of your clients, the information comes in and the classification is different on the paperwork. Yep. And the rule is that uh, your client says, look, I want you to override that, provide the right information to the broker. Mm -hmm. All right, so that goes through and does that. What happens though about that original situation where the HTS number was wrong? Is there any kind of a warning flag or something that goes to your client to say, just let you know, we overrode this. The, oops, I'm sitting here. You're good, you're I'm, good. I'm gonna be like a bull in a china closet. <laughs> I just hit, uh, hit something here. Anyway, uh, would your <coughs> system be able to flag that so somebody can follow up to find out why was there an incorrect HTS number on that? Correct, correct. So everything for us comes back to reasonable care, the compliance side of this. So what we do is we sign off both parties on an SOP. And that SOP basically says, and you can do it by trade lane, you can do it by country, you can do it by business unit. But we want the client to define for us when that discrepancy happens, what do they want us to do? If they want us to override, we will override. Okay, But all those business rules get document, documented. You would sign off on it, I would sign off right. on it. That's a living, breathing document. We need to address that constantly, constantly oh, update yeah. it as the business yeah. changes. Right. But what basically happens now, if we overrode that commercial invoice that came in, what you're going to see in the system is that it came in as one, two, three, four. It tripped this business rule. We changed it to four, five, six. You'll see what it was originally and what we changed it to. Same thing in the product library. Right. If a client authorizes me to go out and make the change, you'll always see there's Bernie's user ID on this date. This is what it was. This is what he changed it to. Or the field wasn't there before. It's now fish and wildlife. He had to attach another form. He did attach the form. It's now at the part number level. So the next time that comes in and that form gets tripped, you nobody's still have it. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You, you only have the exception once is really where we're going with this. So that's what we want to do is define all of those business rules with our clients and then automate, automate, automate as much of it as we possibly can. Well, there's a, there's a uh, client that I uh, had, a customer I had when I was at, in my 
called FedEx Days. That was one of the most automated uh, compliance areas I've never seen. And uh, it, it was just phenomenal. And she had a very minimal staff, but had multiple, is a global company, it was in electronics and lighting and medical uh, mm -hmm. devices, um, and probably a couple other things I'm not even aware of. And I was like, you know, how in the world could you do all these things? And it was one of these things of building that, but it was in the days when you did not have platforms such as Flexible. Yeah. And it took her probably <coughs> over a decade of constantly working on it and building these things up and, and getting control over all of it. So, you know, it sounds like Flexport, your platform would dramatically accelerate how quickly you could get a handle on your product lines and hopefully eliminate or start eliminating exceptions. Because yep. that's where, quite frankly, if you wait until the product arrives and then you're trying to figure out what it is and classify it, <laughs> you know, you got to, you know, uh, what did you call it with your, a, a new product something? NPI, NPI, new product introduction. New new product introduction. Okay, that's a new term for me, but I know exactly. It's like, you, uh, you know, if you're compliant, you got to get in there. I, I, you know, this is one of those things where I always say, a part does not just happen. Yes. <laughs> it takes weeks, if not months, for a new product to be entered into the inventory of a of a uh, company, and so you got everything where it's being designed and looked at, and then is like, well, okay, we we can design this. Is there a market for this? Mm -hmm. And uh, as that's being done, it's like, what would we sell it for? So the financial things are going on as far as, you know, what the sale price is. And then you got the sourcing trying to find a place to manufacture it, whether domestically or foreign. Yep. Uh, and, and, you know, you got all these different issues going on and you're putting it into the inventory, the customer order systems and all those kinds of things are being added. And then the compliance people are kind of left out in the cold. And it's like, well, the only reason they're left out in the cold is you have not stepped up and inserted yourself enough into the process. So, you know, yep. having a company like your plat having your platform there with Flexport sounds to me like it would help accelerate how quickly somebody, uh, the, the effectiveness of a compliance group. Would that yep. be a fair statement? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I listen, there's always parts you have to develop that are still, you know, being worked out as you move forward. But the model is, in my opinion, it's very, very sound. Yeah. It comes from reasonable care, and it comes from the standpoint of, I do a lot of work in retail, and from a retail perspective, um, what they usually do for the next season, let's say they've got a thousand new products they're going to introduce. Um, they may never introduce all 1,000. They may scale it back to 200, but what they want to know is exactly what you were talking about earlier. What's my classification? What are the other government agencies? Does it have turtle shell on it or the buttons or any of that stuff? They want to know that in advance. Yes. Then what we're, where we're going on the platform is we want to be able to do a predictive landed cost. We already do an actual landed cost. You want to compare the two and then give that back to procurement so they can make better business decisions. Well, and, and so where you're going, Bernie, is more of a enable to, with this data, Will, uh, that's trade-related data, you're actually able to do some strategic planning and discussions um, on should we, you know, use this product and, and introduce it, or should we look at a different source? If we moved it from 
you know, Vietnam to Mexico or Canada or something else is like, how does that change, like you were just saying, the, uh, the landed cost on this and, and is it worthwhile? You know, uh, maybe the cost of the widget may be higher, but the transportation cost is significantly lower. In the holistic view, that may be uh, something that it makes better sense to do it. But you can't do make those kinds of decisions in silos where I'm only looking at one piece. So your platform sounds like it'd be one of those that you can look at a, a wide variety. Yep. Yeah, that's a great summarization of you know how, <laughs> how we're viewing all of this. And what we're really all about is just getting that data and information and then putting the right value proposition in play for that client for however their business <laughs> executes. Some yeah. are manufacturers, some are suppliers, you know, it, it all depends. I'm going to shift gears on you. Talk yeah. about ICPA in this conference, and, and how has this been a good organization? Oh, so ICPA is, it's wonderful from the standpoint of <laughs> international trade, it just in and of itself. Uh, it, everyone assumes it just executes in the background. The only time anybody cares is when something gets screwed up, something's yeah. held at the yeah. border. Um, we went under a microscope for the last two years with COVID and all the supply oh, chain yeah. issues, which in a lot of ways it. Yeah. is good for the industry <coughs> yeah. because it, it surfaces this stuff. But you need to be thinking about your bottom line very early in the process because there's things you can do for duty minimization, duty avoidance right. to get the lowest possible fees. And in the industry in and of itself, the largest companies that have the deep pockets can afford to have the compliance people on a country-by-country country basis that enable mm -hmm. these uh, abilities to, for duty minimization, duty right. avoidance. We want to put that all in the platform. What ICPA does is it helps to educate businesses in terms of what their responsibility is, which is always changing. But as the importer-exporter of record, they bear that responsibility. They can't turn a blind eye. They have to know what is going on, be aware of and planning for. And I think that's what ICPA brings to the table. It allows all Definitely. of these businesses plus a network. Yeah, well, there's... I have some yeah, friends here. <laughs> I, I got to tell you, that's one of the things, the networking of it is it's um, whenever I come across a problem and I don't know how to resolve it, I start looking yeah. around and I'm like, well, you know what? And it's what I call bird dogging. Yeah. I'm going to bird dog this thing. He's like, you know what? Uh, let me call Bernie. Maybe he knows somebody. He's like, let me explain my situation. And then it's like, well, no, I, I can't do it. But, I, you know, somebody else over here does. Let me introduce you to him or whatever. And, you know, one of the things I've also made a point of uh, trying to tell people when they're at ICPA, you know, find people to uh, introduce yourself that you don't know to develop the relationship. Right. But the second thing is go by each one of these exhibitors. Learn what they do, the services and the people and what they're doing. Because the other thing is, let me ask you, have you seen where a, there's a large portion of the compliance people that are in their jobs less than five years before they're on to another company? Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. I've told people to say, look, today you may not have a need, let's say, for a flex port, but you know what, you go to the next company and you very well need, or it may be a case that all of a sudden, hey, I go into a company and they're using your platform. Oh man, I, you know, now I know what I need to do here yep. and who I need to talk to, yep. so. Yep, <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah. So, well, what could you uh, uh, offer as far as somebody, if they are considering going to an ICPA conference, and second to that, 
whether they should consider becoming a member of an ICPA organization. Yep. I always suggest that they become a member of ICPA because when you're a it's member- It's very inexpensive too. It's, it's inexpensive, plus it gives you access um, even after the conference because oh, yeah. you know you can go out and you can ask questions, you can get valuable information. So just by way of example, if you're looking to launch a, um, a broker RFP, you can reach out. People will share with you their templates oh, yeah. about oh. how, the, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's just, that's invaluable. Um, so just that piece of it alone, plus you get access to all of the trainings and you get the recordings and stuff afterwards because we all know you go to these, you sit in the meeting, you try to absorb as much as you can, but then you get home it's like, what did she say? Yeah, <laughs> I remember the, it was something good, <laughs> exactly. but now I can't, oh, I forgot to write it down. <laughs> now oh, you yeah. can go back. Yeah, now go. you can go back and take a look at it. So I think organizations like ICPA go a long way with not only education, but helping businesses really understand it's compliance is not a necessary evil. I mean, it is to some extent, but you can turn that into a competitive advantage. Right. And that's what you really have to do is get after the data, get after the information, and look for ways to minimize right. these taxes and fees. I, in one of the presentations, somebody made the statement at the end of it was, uh, they said that the trade data is like the gold uh, or the you know the oil in the ground that you're trying to get out is like it is it's so valuable um, that if you know again it's there even if you take let's just say that it's uh, using the analogy it's gold you have the gold and if it's just sitting there it's not doing you any good but you got to take it and work with it and analyze that and utilize that and apply what you're learning and and those kinds of things uh, from the the trends and all of that. Yep. And then it becomes invaluable. Yep. Right. Yep. So. And there's there's a whole bunch of, I mean, just stay with the United States. We have ACE, the Automated um, Commercial Environment. And with ACE, because of FOIA, Freedom of Information Act, as the importer of record can go and ask for five years' worth of their import data that's stored with U.S. Customs, every business should be looking at that. Mm -hmm. Now, it matters what's on your broker's system. It matters what's on your system. But you need to do a three-way match. What Customs has, what your broker has, and what you have internally. You always need to keep an eye on that um, and manage that data and information. Now, I wish Canada is kind of moving in that direction. They've got their ace light with CARM that's going to be coming out, which is great. Um, they don't necessarily have FOIA, but that's okay. You can still get your data. Mexico has it. It's GLOSA. Um, but that's about it on a global scale. Um, but, again, it all comes back to leveraging data and how can you leverage that to be a better corporate citizen, but also to drive more value in your supply chain? Because yep. it's inventory in motion. So I got a question for you. We, we usually uh, throw this at people. Bernie, if you could go back in time <laughs> and talk to your 21-year-old self, what would be the key thing that you would tell yourself? The key thing that I would tell myself is that um, I'm not in it alone, <laughs> that there are others that are trying to solve similar problems. The more we can do this in a collaborative environment, the more we could try and help each other, I think the better off um, everybody is going to be in that. Um, that's why I like the mission that we're on right now is to be able to share that data and information because it's not just about the big guys. Um, right. Whether it's a country, whether it is a business that has the resources at their fingertips, it's what can we do as a collective whole to make the situation better. And that's kind of, you know, our mantra, our mission is make mm -hmm. global trade easy for everybody. So that's really what I would be reminding be myself. Be a team player. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent.
Well, thank you, Bernie. We appreciate you coming over here and yeah. sitting with us. Thanks for and, having uh, me. Shooting the breeze here a little bit yeah. with us. But uh, I will say that uh, how long have you been with Flexport? I have been with Flexport for three years. Been in industry for 40. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like I've been old around since dirt. You know? I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> it's one of those things, but it's uh, – uh, you know, this is a good group of people to be associated with. I yes. will say that. Yeah. So yeah. we're good. Yeah, well, sure. sir, I appreciate you uh, coming in with us. Uh, Lala, we got anything else here? No, I think that's it. Thanks, Bernie. Yeah, yeah, this was awesome. Thank you. Appreciate it. Awesome. Thank you very much for joining us. Simply Trade is brought to you by the generous contributions of Global Training Center. You can follow the show and GTC on LinkedIn or Twitter and other social networks. Make sure you check out the show notes in the description for a full rundown of today's show with all the important links. Also, make sure that you share this with a friend and subscribe on your favorite streaming platform. We really like hearing from you. If you enjoyed the show, make sure to rate and review wherever you listen to this podcast. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest in the show or would like to sponsor Simply Trade or suggest any topic you would like for us to discuss, please contact us via email at simplytrade at globaltrainingcenter.com or you can DM us on Twitter at simplytradepod. Thank you again for the privilege of your time. Happy trading. Simply Trade is not a law firm or an advisor. The topics and discussions conducted by Simply Trade hosts and guests should not be considered and is not intended to substitute legal advice. You should seek appropriate counsel for your own situations. These conversations and information are directed towards listeners in the United States for informational, educational, and entertainment purposes only and should not be substituted for legal advice. No listener or viewer of this podcast should act or refrain from acting on the basis of information on this podcast without first seeking legal advice from counsel. Information on this podcast may not be up to date depending on the time of publishing and the time of viewership. The content of this posting is provided as is. No representations are made that the content is error-free. The views expressed in or through this podcast are those of the individual speakers, not those of their respective employers or Global Training Center as a whole. All liability with respect to actions taken or not taken based on the contents of this this podcast are hereby expressly discussed.